0: Turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 20. When I was going to college, I had a professor, uh, Professor Doug Blunt, who was talking about the problem of evil in the world, and he used an illustration. He said, you know, what would happen if I saw my dad going down the freeway, weaving in and out of cars and doing things I didn't expect? and driving kind of recklessly. If I didn't know it was my dad, I might think, well, boy, that that person's a nut. But once I notice that it's him, I recognize that even though I may not know the purpose for why he's driving the way he is, I know him, and I know that he has a good reason. What if God were to let us in on his purposes? What if God were to say, okay, all of life, it may not make a whole lot of sense now, but what, what will happen in the future? I have some purposes worked out, and I want to accomplish my purposes on the earth. What if God were to share with us those purposes? I believe that's exactly what God has done. He has shared with us the purposes for which He is moving history forward. God is not work in a haphazard way. God is purposefully bringing history to a certain point. That's comforting to me. I don't know about you. There's a lot of things I see in this world, and I look at those things, and I say, you know, that that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's horrible. That's evil. That's whatever. But there will be a day when God will bring his purposes to fruition. And I believe we need to trust in the purposes of God. I'm going to talk to you about several purposes this morning uh, that God has in the future uh, that He's going. He has them throughout history, but He's He's going to bring them to their climax in the future. Uh, so look with me at Revelation 21, or excuse me, 20, chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with a key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, closed it, and put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the thousand years were completed. After that, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and the people on them were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of God's word, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with the Messiah for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy... Is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over these, but they will be priests of God and the Messiah, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They came up over the surface of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. What are the purposes that God has for the future? Uh, One of the most frequent questions I've heard about this chapter is why does God bind the devil and then release him at the end? You know, and and people have questions about that. It doesn't, I'm trying to understand that, wrap my mind around it. And there are a whole lot of views on this chapter. But I want to just focus on some specific things that I believe Scripture teaches are the purposes of God that will be realized during this time of history after Jesus' second coming. And so, the first thing I want you to see is the purpose of the glory of God. The purpose of the glory of God. And and we need to trust that God will glorify himself. The purpose of the glory of God. You see, throughout history, God has sought to reveal himself. From the time of creation, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God created us in his image so that we would be a picture of his character and his goodness. And he set the people of the earth, uh, uh, Adam and Eve, over all of creation at that time. And it would bring him glory and he would come and fellowship with them. In the cool of the day. But then something happened that messed everything up. Sin came to be a reality. Adam and Eve chose to take the fruit that God had commanded them not to eat. By the way, the only command that he gave them. (laughs) They chose to eat the fruit. And the Bible says that the curse upon the ground and upon creation, upon the man and the woman and so forth, uh, was brought about. And death came to be a part of human existence. And Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden and the relationship that they had with God was broken. God sought to bring himself glory. So he showed his grace. God had said, in the day you eat thereof, Adam, you will surely die. But God showed grace. Grace. I believe he began to die from that moment he ate that fruit. But I believe God also extended his grace to bring himself glory. God did that through Abraham when he made his promises. God did, uh, did that uh, with David as he told them, one of your descendants will sit on the throne of Israel. Uh, God did that as he fulfilled the prophecies of his son's first coming. And God will do that when he fulfills the promises of his second coming. I want you to know... That our God is great and will be glorified and praised. People can dismiss him. People can ignore him. People can go on their way. But one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The devil will be bound. God's people will be given great blessing at a time uh, like never before in the history of the earth. And God will be glorified. We need to trust God to glorify His name. And then we need to, to trust Him to magnify His word. I want you to see another purpose God has is to contrast the purpose of His truth with Satan's deception. Now, I just talked about the garden. What happened in the garden? You have the serpent. You say, well, why are you talking about Genesis, preacher? Well, I'll tell you why. Look, look, if you will, at uh, verse 2. He sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. The ancient serpent. What's he talking about? The garden. The one who messed it all up in deceiving Adam and Eve will be bound. He's calling attention to the garden, but he's also calling attention to the time of the tribulation that they've just gone through. Uh, He says, listen, I want to tell you something. The great dragon will be bound. The great dragon is the name by which the devil goes in uh, the book of Revelation. And it's a picture of how he wants to devour and destroy people. The great dragon will be bound. Uh, The... Devil, or the diabolos, it means accuser, will be bound. He'll no longer accuse the saints before God day and night. Satan will be bound. The word Satan means adversary. His adversarial work against the people of God will be ceased. He will be bound. Throughout history, you see these two competing things. The devil's lie in God's truth. I like to hear people talk about New Age. New Age, there's nothing new about New Age. It's the same old lie. It's trying to provide an alternative to the worship of the God of heaven. Uh, there's nothing new about Satan's tactics. and You find in the Word of God people deceived in the same way they're deceived today by the devil. The Bible speaks of the world, the flesh, and the devil. As three opponents to us as believers living the Christian life. And the world is, is this not talking about the planet. It's talking about the evil system that the devil uses to influence people away from God's truth. Now, I don't know how much you realize this, but the devil is very intentional in what he's doing in our culture. And in cultures around the world. He is seeking to get people to buy into a way of life that leaves God out. He's seeking to entice people into an alternative way of living. To get involved in sin, to get involved in error, to get involved in the wrong path. Why? Because he wants to destroy us. On the other hand, you have God's truth. And throughout history, you have had those who have proclaimed the truth. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Abraham was able to share uh, with his descendants and with others about God. Uh, David recorded his worship of God in the Psalms and proclaimed his name in the sanctuary. Uh, You had the prophets, you had the judges, you had the kings, uh, all proclaiming the name. And then you come to the New Testament and you have Jesus giving a command. Go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded thee. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he, what's he saying? Go speak the truth in the culture. Go around the world. Speak the truth in the culture. Hold out the truth. Why? Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So when Jesus comes, there will be a very clear distinction between the devil's way and Christ's way. The devil will be bound for a thousand years, and I believe all demonic powers will be ceased during that time. Um. This 1,000-year period, I, I recognize that people disagree on whether it's symbolic or literal. I take it as a literal thing, but, but the point remains the same, that God's truth will be shown to be what it is. It will be contrasted with the devil's lie. And people will begin to live life as God intended it to be lived. Can you imagine what that must be like? The Old Testament describes the, the period of the millennium. It describes it as the long ages that you read about in Genesis are restored during the time of the millennium. People will live for hundreds of years. There will be a, a healing and health, and, and the, the curse of the earth is gone. And you find things being a way they've never been since the time of the Garden of Eden. That God restores things. And, and you know what the Bible says in Micah chapter 4? It says that people from all nations will come to Jerusalem to hear the teaching from Jesus. People from all nations. I, can you imagine that? I, you know, I've heard missionaries talk about people walking miles to come hear a message. Uh, but can you imagine what that must be like for people all over the world to make a trip to Jerusalem for the sole purpose of hearing the truth? That comes from Jesus' lips. I think of the the guards that were sent to arrest Jesus. They said, nobody ever spoke like this man. Won't it be an amazing thing to hear Jesus share the truth? And so this world will, will be in a time of blessing unlike any other time the world has known. And God's truth will be magnified and will be blessing the people of the earth. So trust God to magnify His truth. You know, every Sunday I, I I get up and I preach the Word of God. Some of you Sunday school teachers teach the Word of God. Uh, some of you parents teach your children the Word of God. And each time we do it, we trust that God will magnify His Word. I want to tell you something. The Bible says the Word is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword and divides aside and pierces through even the dividing of the soul and the spirit. The Bible says, Arrests who we are and changes our course as we allow it. Trust God to magnify His Word. Listen, you need to have your devotions because you trust God to magnify His Word in your life. You need to come to church because you trust God to magnify His Word in your life. One of the saddest things that you see in Scripture is the ignoring... Of God's Word. Over and over throughout history, you see uh, nations that ignore God's Word, individuals that ignore God's Word, and you find here uh, those will ignore God's Word even during this millennial period, and when Satan is loose, they will be deceived again and go against Christ and His purpose once again. What a tragedy! Because they did, not, they did not embrace God's Word. They did not uh, put their trust in God's Word. They ignored it. There's a lot of people ignoring God's Word out in the culture. That's a dangerous thing. Somebody once said that fish don't like to be caught. And I suppose that's true. As we talk with people out in the world, they may not want to hear what we have to say, but they need to hear it. They desperately need to hear the truth because it provides the way of escape. From the path the devil has them on. And so people will ignore this truth of the millennium. And then we find in the latter part of chapter 20. That they stand before God's judgment. And the books are open. And God judges their sin. Not on the basis of his grace. Because they have refused his grace. And ignored his grace. But on the basis of his justice. And they are sent to a place God never wanted to send them to spend an eternity in hell because they ignored the truth of God's Word. God will magnify His Word. Trust Him to do that. That's one of God's purposes in life. Then I want you to see uh, that God will vindicate the saints. That's one of His purposes. Trust Him to do that. Are you being mistreated at work, denied a promotion because you named the name of Christ? Have you lost friends because you have taken a stand for Christ? Are you bold in in your relationships with other people, letting them know who you are? Has it affected your life? Take heart, Christian brother or sister. God will vindicate you. There will come a day when Jesus will vindicate his saints and will be raised... I believe that this is the the second stage of that first resurrection. The first resurrection deals with the resurrection of believers. Uh, First at the rapture, at the beginning of the seven-year period of tribulation. Then at the end, uh, he raises them as Jesus comes back, who have been killed uh, for the sake of Christ during the tribulation. Uh, That encompasses the first resurrection. It's the resurrection of the godly. And then uh, we will rule with him. Now, there's a whole lot of places in Scripture that talk about us ruling with Him. And that is, again, God restoring the purpose of Eden. God said, Adam and Eve, you'll be over the, all creation. The, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, so forth, and so on. You'll be over them. Rule and have dominion over everything. That's God's purpose. And God's purpose will be restored. And so, uh, trust God to vindicate His people. You may not be doing well because of some choice that you've made to serve Christ, but Jesus said, Rejoice and be glad when men revile you and persecute you and say, All manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, for great is your reward in heaven. Trust him to vindicate the saints. And then another purpose that God has is the fulfillment of his promises or the promises of God. You find one of these in verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one he shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over these. They will be priests of God and the Messiah, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. That's a promise of God. We'll reign with him. It's also a promise of God that God made to Abraham I will make you into a great nation. A promise of God where God said, Listen, those who bless you will be blessed, those who curse you will be cursed. And you find God coming back at the second coming of Christ, coming against Israel's enemies in exactly the way He promised. Then you find prophecy after prophecy fulfilled as God brings Israel into the only golden age of their history. Yes, I know it was good during David and Solomon's reign, but it won't be like it will be then. And Israel will be a place for all the nations to come to worship. And the Bible says that People will be gathered, Jews will be gathered from every corner of the earth, all over the earth. They'll be drawn back to the nation of Israel, and God will fulfill his promise. And they, for the first time in history, will fulfill their promise to him. God will also fulfill his promises to us under the new covenant. And the veil will be taken away. We see through a glass darkly, but then we'll see face to face. What a time that will be. (laughs) No sickness or crying or pain. Then, I want you to see that God's purposes aren't only to fulfill His promises, but also He has the purpose to give a choice to human beings. The purposes of, of choice. You say, well, why does God bind the devil, then allow there to be a time of great blessing, and then let the devil loose at the end? Why does God do that? It doesn't make sense. Preacher, tell me. Come on, preacher, tell me. Okay? I'll tell you why. Because God doesn't force anybody to be his child. God provides a choice to each and every one of us. We see that, don't we, throughout history with people who have rejected the truth, or people who have embraced the truth. We have a choice. God allows those born, and I, by the way, I believe that there will be um, Israelites who, who uh, make it through that, that second coming of Jesus and come in to that millennial time uh, in, in a normal human body, not a glorified body like you and I will have. But uh, we'll have children and so forth and so on, and some say, and i 'm not sure about this, that there will be some Gentiles involved in that too. but whatever the case, um, those who are given an op- those who are born will be given an opportunity to choose either for God or against him. Can you imagine Can you imagine what it would be like to have Jesus Christ as the pastor of your church I, I, I'll bow the knee, okay? What would it be like to have the master teacher? To have the one who can heal disease and and, and change people's hearts and lives in in a profound way. What would it be like to have Jesus himself here? (laughs) That's what they'll have. And some of them will still reject it. I want you to know something. Don't you underestimate the deceiving power of the enemy. Don't you underestimate the human depravity of our hearts apart from the work of Christ. You see here, the devil will be bound so that he might not deceive the nations. Look at what it says. Uh, Verse 3. He threw him into the abyss, closed it, And put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations. Specific purpose that God says. And then when he he releases him, uh, he speaks of uh, verse 7 when thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations. Don't underestimate. You know, I think too many Christians underestimate the deceiving power of the enemy. Many of us are deceived. We're caught in a sin habit. We're we're, uh, uh, failing in, in different areas of our lives. We're not experiencing God's joy because we're unwilling to turn from our sin in some cases. But many people don't put enough emphasis on the fact that Satan is very good at what he does. And so their Bible sits dusty on their shelf at home. They have no time for God. God is a convenience. Everything else is number one. Everything else is put before. If I have time, I'll have my devotions. No, you had better make time. Well, if it's convenient, I'll go to church. No, you had better make time. I want to tell you something. We are in a battle for the souls of the next generation. The world out there is attacking our kids when we send them off to college as never before, trying to dismantle their faith. I was listening uh, to, to a friend who had heard a program. it's an atheist call-in show. That would be interesting to hear. But it's an atheist call-in show, and all these people were calling in who were Christians. And one of the things that struck my friend was the fact that the Christians didn't know how to answer him from God's Word. There was an answer, but they didn't know it because they hadn't spent time in God's Word. Then the clincher, a pastor called in. He also didn't know how to answer him from God's Word, and there was an answer. You see, people are so intimidated by this world, but all you've got to do to chase away the darkness is to set a flame, turn on the light. Be in God's Word. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It is your life. That's what Moses said. These words are not some idle thing for you. They are your life. Do we understand that? Many will be deceived by the enemy. Fire will come from heaven. It's different from the second coming. Fire will come from heaven And destroy the enemies of God. And look at verse 10. I like this part. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur. Where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that day. No more disharmony among God's people. No more people being deceived by the enemy. No more people embracing false doctrine. Why? The devil's bound. And we will be able to enjoy the blessings of living in the truth of God forever. (laughs) Won't that be an incredible time? The devil will be defeated. And by the way, did you know hell was made for the devil and his angels? That's what the Bible says. It wasn't made for people. But for those who choose to reject Jesus Christ, there is no other option. You can't be in God's presence. You must be sent there. So, the devil will be tormented day and night forever and ever. I want you to see, God has some purposes. What are his purposes? Let's go through them quickly. The glory of God contrast of truth the truth and a lie, the vindication of the saints, the promises of God the necessity of choosing and we can trust God to fulfill his purposes we can trust God to glorify his name, we can trust him to magnify his word we can trust him to vindicate the saints we can trust him to fulfill his promises we can trust him to provide the choice whosoever shall call upon the name of eternal life uh, on the name of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved we can trust him to offer eternal life god is about the purposes of, of fulfilling his own purposes He's doing it now in a limited way, but he'll do it then in a full and complete way. Let me ask you something. Are you cooperating with the purposes of God in your life? Are you a person of the book? Are you someone who is able to handle the attacks against the faith, or are you somebody who is spiritually a baby who doesn't really know how to handle the Word of God? who is, as the Bible says, tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Whatever people say. kind of put it, whatever. Where are you? I want to challenge you this morning to commit to the Word of God. To commit to being in church. To commit to doing what God's calling you to do in your life. I want to challenge you to live your life in such a way that we glorify God. You know, we don't, sometimes we don't, Take advantage of those opportunities. We are timid about our faith, and we need to be bold. We need to glorify Him. Trust Him with your vindication. Let Him do the work that He's calling you to do. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and we ask, God, that you would have your will in your way in this time. God, that you would fulfill your purposes in our lives right now. Father, there's some who have been neglecting your word. There are some, Lord, who have taken their eyes off of you, who aren't glorifying you, who aren't trusting you to vindicate them, Lord. I pray, Father, that we'll repent, that we'll do the things you've called us to do, that we'll cooperate with your purposes for your glory. I preach in Jesus' name.